Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Real Blend, a podcast that has a kick-ass script for Salacious Crumb, a Star Wars story. We just need Kathy Kennedy's punch. cell phone number, Jake. Therm scissor punch. Jake, you must have. Yes, all right, Therm Scissor Punch, a Star Wars story. Uh, this is episode want. number 21 of Real Blend, which airs live on Cinema Blend's Facebook page and later can be downloaded everywhere that podcasts can be found from iTunes and Spotify to Google Play, and we also have a Twitter page, which I said I was going to plug at the start of each show, and I'm now holding myself to that. So if you are listening to us uh, and you have an account on that cesspool of social media misery, please give us a follow. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing director of Cinema Blend, and joining me, as always, is the man who Josh Brolin desperately wants to breastfeed, Mr. Kevin McCarthy, this is the acclaimed true. entertainment reporter. From Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I'm still, one, still trying to figure out how that is a possibility or how that will even work. So um, I'm, I'm, that's what I've I been doing all gleek. day. He would gleek. He would gleek into your mouth. Yeah. You guys have just the, the most beautifully, I just said this on Twitter, you have the most beautifully weird interviews well, I've ever seen. We're waiting outside Josh Brolin's room. It was like Jake and me and some other reporters, and we were talking about like just like the interview, and I can't remember how it came up. We were talking about Infinity Stones, and I was like, Maybe I'll just make a joke about like uh, Thanos passing a kidney stone, and that's how the Avengers Four reversal will happen. And, I, and like Jake and Jake and we were just like laughing about it, and I was like, maybe I'll just bring that up in my interview. I mean, Roland's one I of those guys. I don't remember laughing at that joke. I just yeah. was thinking, oh dear God, don't bring that up in the room. Do you remember when I said that to you? I was like, I'm going to bring that up in the room. And you, I know, and, and I just remember thinking, well, it was good knowing Kevin while it lasted. I, I, but oh, I feel like Roland. I... Well, go ahead, Sean. No, well, I need to give him his proper introduction. You're talking to oh, the sorry. third oh, guy in sorry. the chair. <laughs> the man who has agreed to host every Real Blend listener at his apartment during Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> Mr. You joke, Mr. Jake but you'd be shocked at how many people texted me yesterday like, Hey, you live in Chicago, right? You live pretty close to McCormick Place? Yes, I do live in Chicago. Yes, I do live close to McCormick Place. And no, none of you could stay at my condo. Unless you're Sean or Mark Hamill. Yeah. Mark. Oh! Mark, I know you're listening. Thank you. What about me, man? What if about Mark Hamill, if well, Mark assume, Hamill takes so the Kevin couch, so Kevin will be will be middle spoon. Yeah. And then I thought okay. Sean and Mark could spoon on the couch with Daenerys. Because yeah. Daenerys, my dog, has a weird thing for the fold out couch. If someone folds it out, that's where she wants to be. So Sean, you and Marky Mark uh, can make a little funky bunch on the couch. Yeah, and right. then Jake's fiance will just get a hotel, so we'll, we'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be totally. Oh fine. God, is she dreading that that weekend? Because <laughs> <next year. laughs> I uh, I told her last year after uh, Orlando, because Orlando was a lot. And I said, you know, I said I don't think I'm going to go the next time they have it. It just seems like a lot. And I texted her yesterday and I said, hey, you know how I told you I wasn't going to travel to the next Star Wars celebration? And she goes, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I said, yeah, I do too. Considering it's in Chicago, and her response was, "Not only that, Jesus it's Christ. like a day longer than normal, isn't it? Isn't well, it? I thought like it was four, four days, days instead of. Oh, it might have been. See, I, I forget. Was... I even thought that the fortieth anniversary was the London one. This was our. We're transitioning right into the news segment of the podcast because I wanted to bring up celebration uh, and sort of talk about the fact that it's going to Chicago and that um, we're super excited. And Jake went to the one in Orlando, and yeah. it was the 40th anniversary. As That's did you. Where you saw... I slept on the yes, ground. I was there also. I slept on the ground but to get to the one... 40th anniversary. Oh, so tell tell people about that experience. Like, going as a fan and not a pampered media member, because we are really 
used to kid gloves, yeah. you know, being ushered into amazing places. And you actually did the fan experience. Yeah, I did the fan experience because I, I wanted to go with all my buddies. And I knew that if I got the press passes, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of things with them. I'd get into something and they'd have to wait in line. And it sort of just ruins the point of going. If you're going with a group of friends, we did the Airbnb and uh, we heard that people were lining up uh, for the 40th anniversary panel. And my thought was, when am I going to be in a room with George Lucas, Mark Hamill, and the entire Star Wars cast at the time, we thought there was no way Harrison Ford would be there. So we slept out the night before uh, in, in this big convention hall waiting room, a pillow on concrete. We stopped at Target on the way there, got a couple of pillows and slept on concrete. And I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating. It was like in a movie. We were literally, like there were four of us. We were the last, no, three of us. There were the last three wristbands they gave before they closed it off and sent everyone else to the overflow room. Like, I, like, not an exaggeration. We were the literal last three wristbands, and everyone else was the overflow room. But I got in a room, and George Lucas came out, and Harrison Ford came out, and Mark Hamill came out, and, and Anthony Daniels, and Peter Mayhew, and Billy D. Williams, the entire cast. And then when he thought it was over, a curtain dropped, and John Williams was there to compose the Star Wars score. Make fun of me all you want. I think it was the best decision of my life to sleep overnight and go to that panel. When will, when will we ever Respected. see all those people... Uh, on stage together again, Sean. I, I'd argue we will never see them on stage together ever again. No, never. And I'm excited about this one in Chicago because it'll be episode nine stuff. And as somebody yeah. pointed out to me on Twitter also, it should be a lot of other smaller details for some of these um, other projects that are forming. The Game of Thrones guys and their project could have some news by then. Uh, we may get some more stuff on Ryan Johnson stuff. I want to get into some of the news that broke this week also that may tie into Celebration. The dueling, are we getting a Lando movie next? Are we getting an Obi-Wan movie next? Um, is is Lucasfilm going to pick a lane and basically okay. just figure out the direction here? Or uh, in a way that like when DC over-announces things, are we okay with not knowing what the next five to ten projects are because a lot of times that stuff gets announced and then changed? Uh, I'd rather know. Yeah. I just, I'm just, no, I just genuinely feel like there's a lot of oversaturation with Star Wars right now. And it's actually, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that. And I, and I genuinely do. And kind of just one comment on Jake's story just now about the sleeping over thing. I, I, you got to respect that passion because if you're, if you're passionate about something, I mean, I'm, I'm the same guy who went to Taco Bell at midnight for the release of the double decker Dorito, Dorito <laughs> shell taco. So, I mean, it's, if you're passionate about something. That. You just got to respect that, and I, I totally get that. But with Star Wars, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when uh, we talk about Solo next week, uh, we'll, we can talk a little more detail about that. I just, I'm a little oversaturated. I don't know how you guys are feeling. I know Jake's the biggest Star Wars fan in this group right now, and, I, and I, I just don't know how you guys are feeling. Do you feel like there's too much? I feel like the Solo movie came too quickly. Um, I just... I don't know. It, it's a, it, there's too much going on with Star Wars, in my personal opinion. But I don't know where you guys fall on that. Well, let, I want to ask a question for you guys who have seen it, and this isn't spoilery. And we're going to transition into some solo reactions before we give everybody a, uh, a spoiler-free uh, Deadpool 2 review. Let's just stay on the Star Wars uh, conversation for a minute. You guys have both seen Solo. I haven't yet. But knowing what um, Donald Glover does with Lando, if they were to say that the next movie legitimately was going to be a Lando movie, are you excited for it? Did this movie 100%. get you primed for that? Okay. Uh, yeah, 100%. Though, if I'm being completely honest, I think I'd still rather want uh, Ewan McGregor, a Kenobi movie. Okay. Uh, I want to know what happened in those years between when he dropped off Luke and when we saw him with uh, Luke. Um, 
Though, uh, though, yeah, I, though I, I left wait, Solo wanting more. But Jake, that speaks to so much of what is annoying to me about the current Star Wars movies, which is just filling in the gaps of story that we that I don't feel we know. Like I, I I'm, uh, I'm of the idea that I want them to just go a hundred years in the other direction and yeah. tell totally different stories that aren't connected. If you're giving me an Obi-Wan story, I. The fact that it's on Tatooine is what makes me not excited. Why does it? I mean, yeah. do we know that he stayed on Tatooine for? Uh, here's for a, here's his here. mission. Here's the thing, and I will say this: I am not as diehard as Star Wars as Jake is, so I, I don't understand the mindset of wanting to know all that. I mean, listen, I love Star Wars. I respect Star Wars. I admire Star Wars. I think Empire is one of the greatest movies of all time. I rewatched New Hope the other day. Still plays beautifully. I'm still blown away by the way they pulled that off. With the effects and the miniature work, it's amazing. Really, truly is. I, w- I actually wish I could have experienced it in '77 for the first time and like been able to uh, see that movie on a screen and not knowing what we were about to experience. Mm. That being said, I don't know how much more I want to hear about this current storyline. And, and listen, I think the Kenobi storyline is definitely interesting. I would, I would love to know what happened, but prior to that moment in New Hope when he goes to see. Kenobi and you know they're at their and the whole concept with three C3PO and R2D2 and that message I would that that would be interesting I just don't know if I'm super fascinated an entire movie based on that like is that what is that is that what you're asking Jake is kind of yeah how long he's been on Tatooine and I'm not I mean, I'm like, not saying that that I want an entire movie based on that I'm saying I want an entire trilogy based on that wow so, I, so I, this... I believe it I I want two more solo movies I want a trilogy of Kenobi dude I I'm I'm not kidding. I you could put put a freaking like give give me Marvel amounts of Star Wars movies. That's I want fine. Marvel amounts of Star Wars movies. Uh, at the beginning of New Hope, when we when we first meet Obi Wan, um, obviously he says he's not gone by that name in so long. He's going by Ben Kenobi, right? Um, and I haven't seen the original the uh, the episode one, two, and three in a long time, so I don't remember. Uh, at the end of episode three, or at all within that trilogy, is there ever a moment when he goes from being called Obi-Wan to Ben? So you want to know kind of what happens in that Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's an actual moment where they start calling him Ben, but the final shot of Revenge of the Sith, of episode three, is him right. on Tatooine handing a baby, handing Luke to Joel Edgerton, who is Uncle right. Owen. Exactly. So, so I that, mean... That, so you if, want to know what happens in that time period? Yeah, uh, essentially. If, if in theory, Luke is what eighteen, right? Uh, in in a New Hope, like eighteen years. There's gotta be some. I mean, and also if, if for Star Wars fans that watch Rebels, we which is considered canon, we know that there's good stuff that happened while he was right. on Tatooine. Um, I whether envision or not we, a. Mr. Magoo type comedy where baby Luke is wandering around and almost in trouble all the time. And Obi-Wan is to like use his force power to like, he's about to step into quicksand and he like shoots a a log forward. I'm all, I'm listen. I I, I think all this is, it's all definitely interesting. And and I respect the idea of wanting to see that. I'm kind of in the, in the mindset of wanting to know more stories in, in the galaxy and more stories in the universe of star Wars of characters. We necessarily haven't met yet. I will say this. There was something very cool and surreal about how Rogue One tied right into New Hope. That was a very interesting fan, almost fan fiction type of idea of knowing how the Death Star plans got to uh, Princess Leia. I, 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 that was very cool. I mean, and it also will... fixed what many people consider to be a massive, no pun intended, writing hole by George Lucas. Because after 77, people thought to themselves... Why would there be a space station with a giant hole that you could shoot right. into and blow it up? And this <laughs> yeah, movie right. sort of went, 
because yeah. it was on purpose. No yeah, way yeah. did Lucas think about that whenever no. he wrote the original right. screenplay back no. in 77. Well, but this fixes but it. How much of that is fan fiction and how much of it is necessary storytelling? It's all fan so like, fiction. All, but like, but like, all Star Wars movies are fan fiction. No, what I mean by that is Rogue One serves a fan's purpose of filling in that gap. I mean, Star Wars, obviously, when it initially came out, was not it wasn't made for fans because there were no fans yet. Star Wars made right. fans and they continued a trilogy and two and three and Empire and Jedi were, you know, that was, to me, those made sense. And then, I don't even know if going back to one, two, and three were even that great of an idea. They really cl- clearly weren't. But dude, those I movies think do not hold up, man. For for people don't. that are that are that are crapping on Solo, they and and saying like, oh, like they they you know they are ruining yeah. my Star Wars, dude. Your Star Wars was this was Obi Wan Kenobi sitting in a digital booth across from a right. digital monster in a horrible diner. Uh, don't don't tell me what your Star Wars. I is. I'm with Jake though. I don't think Menace is as bad as everyone says it is. I think Attack of the Clones is arguably one of the worst movies if not the worst movie of all time and sith has some really cool scenes so i don't necessarily hate that the prequels were made i i just real quick to, to sean's point it is a little bit frustrating that we're like do how much filling in do we need to do and i think a lando movie to me while it does kind of hypocritically say I, I want that movie i just find that character fascinating and i don't know enough about lando and i think glover would really kind of play with it really well so i, well, I, I don't know That's and there's this aspect too if they announce any of these projects and they attach a really exciting director that'll be the difference to me hero mirai i'm telling you get that guy on a star wars movie and let him work his atlanta and this is america magic i'm telling you That's that fair. would That's be good... fascinating oh, really before we move on i think part of the reason i think i i actually really want a kenobi movie is because i thought that Ewan McGregor was arguably the best part of the prequels, and then he never truly got an opportunity to shine in that role. He was yeah. he was great despite the script, not because of it. And I would just really love for him to get the opportunity to be great in a great Star Wars movie. Yeah, right. I mean, I could see that. I, I just it just depends on that. yeah. It, it's interesting. I mean, like it's interesting because there are some I want to see, some I don't want to see. There's the Boba Fett idea. Um, but I, I think mean, they, like, they should work Boba Fett into a. I don't think he should get his own movie. Work him into a solo sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is the solo embargo? I agree up? with that. Uh, the fifteenth. Yes. Yeah, fifteenth. Okay. <laughs> yes. All we right. can talk openly about. It. So let's transition into knowing the fact that I haven't seen it yet. Um, let's transition into solo reactions, and then after that, we're going to get into an in-depth uh, Deadpool discussion. Still spoiler-free in each of these cases. So if you're listening to this, you haven't yet seen Deadpool 2, we're not going to give anything away. And especially with Solo, I just want to have the guys set up their reactions to it. I want them to talk about their interviews um, at the Junket, too, how that went. But um, we're at the point where I think Jake likes it a lot more than Kevin does. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, mean, yeah. I, I want Jake to take this because I will say this. like Being at that, at that Junket and being at that premiere was an incredible experience for two reasons. One, just to be at a Star Wars premiere. Two, being with my with somebody like Jake, who's just a, a massive Star Wars fanatic. Um, and so, they built yeah. a Falcon, didn't they? Build a Falcon yeah. outside of un- in the middle of freaking believable. It was. I mean, That's you have awesome. never seen anything like that before. It was a very surreal thing, and I, I'm. It's an amazing experience. But I, I want Jake to take the the review point here. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've had a few people that reached out to me. And they're like, "Well, you liked it because you were at the premiere and you got washed over by all of that." And I can confirm that I did not because I was at the premiere for the Last Jedi. Right. And remember walking out thinking like. I wish I liked that more. Like, this is such a cool night, and it kind of sucks that I didn't like the movie more. Uh, loved Solo more than The Last Jedi. Um, if I, A lot of people wanted me to compare it to Rogue One in terms of a story. 
I think the last 45 minutes of Rogue One are among the best Star Wars there's ever been. That beach sequence, yes. I think, is incredible. I'd argue that there's nothing in Solo that's better than those 45 minutes. But I think the, the first 115 of Rogue One is a slow burn, and it's not as easy of a rewatch. I mm-hmm. think Solo is going to be a much easier rewatch. I'm much more likely to pop that in and watch that than I would watch Solo from the beginning. Um, it's a much easier, more fun, easygoing cinematic experience. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I was immersed in all of it. I thought they, you know, Kasdan and, and Ron Howard and just, just really kind of took some chances in terms of what they wanted this movie to be. It's on the more simple end of Star Wars movies. It is, you know, a lot of movies say like, oh, we're a heist. And there's not really a heist in it. But this one truly felt like a heist. I mean, there's even the, 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 the train robbery sequence reminded me of something like that would be out of an old like 1920s black and white silent Western movie. Like there's a, a great train robbery sequence, which Kevin found out, I believe, that uh, wasn't Ron Howard's sequence. Which is Some of it is. A Some lot, of, it? A lot okay. of it's Lord and Miller. A lot of it was already there. And then Ron Howard had to like go in and approve it and then re- do things so it's 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 semi it's partly ron howard yeah. but a lot of it was uh, well Miller. good this allows me to ask you guys just a few questions because i don't know um this stuff while watching it one of the biggest concerns we had going into this was the fact that this was taken away from lord miller and given to ron howard right um does it feel like a project that was taken away from its original directors and handed to someone else i don't think so i think and again i i can only speculate i think the film on a, if I'm looking, if I'm giving you a review on this movie, I think the film is fun and fine. Uh, passable entertainment is what I would call it. And and again, it's one of those things where we live in a day and age now, and Jake can attest to this as well. When you even if you have something even remotely negative to say about a film, you automatically hate it. Uh, <laughs> and that's clearly not the case here. I think this is a very well made movie. Uh, there's a lot that I like about Solo. I think the performances are great. Alden surprised me. Very, very good performance, and I think the beauty of Alden's performance is that he's not impersonating Ford because we've never seen Solo at this stage in his life. And what I mean by that is we meet Han Solo in, in, uh, in New Hope as this cocky, arrogant guy in the in the cantina with the Greedo sequence, Greedo sequence, and it, like that. To me, that is the that is the Solo we know, uh, and we 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 journey through him, obviously through the other trilogy, and we see the love that he has with Princess Leia, but whatever. But this is a different Solo. This guy is not there yet. He is vulnerable. He's scared at times. But as the movie progresses, that arc really kind of comes into fruition. And you actually start seeing the Solo that you know and love. And I'm sure Jake agrees with that. It's a, it's an arc that is very hard to get as an actor. And he nails it, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, also, too, because he doesn't need to be that, that Han right, Solo. He, there right. Are, there are moments where you look at him and go, I could see how in 10 years you could be that guy. But 100%. you're not yet. And, yeah. I, and I think that's all you need. Um, yeah. Same thing with uh, with Donald Glover as Lando. There are moments where you go like, I can totally see you being Billy D. Williams in, won't be 10 years, but let's say 13 years. I could totally see you being him. But, you know, I, and also, too, what I've been telling people is, I'd argue this is just as much uh, chewy a solo story, a sto- yeah. solo story as, or a Star Wars story as it is uh, yeah. solo. Um, I, I just thought there are so many elements in there. You know, I don't, I don't really like the argument whenever people tell me, oh, well, I don't really want to know where certain things come from. Well, that's fine. Don't go see the movie. Like, I do want to know. I, I want to know how Han and Chewie met. I want to know where the dice came from. I want to know how you got the Millennium Falcon. For those that don't want to know, it, there's, it's the easiest solution in the world. You just don't have to see it, and then yeah. you'll never know. But I do want to know. So I, I don't I think, think you should fault a movie just for simply existing. 
I mean, with Solo, here, here's the thing. When it comes to Solo, to me, as I look back on it as an overall film, I found myself in my chair, entertained. Uh, I think it's worth seeing in a theater, be specifically because of a lot of things that happened. Like Jake just said, there are some really cool Chewy moments. I, I actually really like, loved the Chewy storyline and how his whole thing came about. My problem with the movie is I feel like it's just a checklist highlighting things that we already know. Um, and I, I, I found myself having problems with the screenplay. The screenplay to me is very problematic. And I, I think a lot of that goes into scenes I can't speak on because it's spoilerish, but I don't like scenes when certain things we already know are coming to light in the moment. And I, I don't know how detailed I can get with that, but Jake knows what I didn't like okay. about... Yeah. Here, here, here's my argument with that. If in 15 years you're talking about some of the greatest moments of your life and you're talking about these incredible things that you did... And then right. I'm going to write a movie about you. Why right. wouldn't I write a movie about those things that you're still talking about in 15 years? If he's but, still, I mean, if, like, yeah, like we, we're, he, we're sort of, we see the things that he's always talked about. So in that sense, yeah, we get that. But why wouldn't we, like, he's, he, it, 10 years pass yeah. and he's still talking about those things. So of course, those should be the moments that we, talk, those are the, the most important I moments of his life. But I, I think I, I need a week, uh, next week when the movie comes out, uh, a week after that, so we can get into exactly what I'm referring to because I don't want to spoil yeah. anything. But Jake knows there's two scenes that specifically deal with names of characters that I did not like. Um, I also well, found... Well, one of them's in the trailer. I don't know if... if which if, one's in the trailer? If it's in the trailer, which one the, is it? Uh, the Chewbacca scene. Okay, that's a great example of dialogue I don't like in a movie. Uh, and if, if that scene's in the trailer, um, then I'll explain it. I don't like a scene where he's sitting there talking to Chewbacca, and he goes, oh, your name's too complicated. We'll have to come up with a nickname for that. I just have a hard time. Yeah, I think he, that's funny. I, I like don't that. like that. I think that. I think that's clearly, pan, to me, it's an obvious uh, observation that the movie is observing, that it knows, that people know that the name Chewie is his name. And I think, to but me... But at some point, he did have to just make the decision. No, why couldn't he just he call him... Yeah, I don't, but I don't, I don't buy that there was ever a scene. I know this is all fiction, but I don't buy that there was ever a moment <laughs> where Han had that conversation with him. I just don't. But, but now it's that canon, so now whether you buy it or not, it happened. I just feel like I bet you at some point in there in the Millennium Falcon and in, in, in years past, he called him Chewy. I, I don't need a scene where he explains why he calls him Chewy. I just don't like that. Well, it I don't need a scene where we're seeing where Luke Skywalker throws his lightsaber over a cliff. But, oh, but we God. live in a universe where we got that one going. Yeah, and for some I reason, that has ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Let me, let me ask a question that I think is really important, and then we're going to move on. That scene's definitely in the trailer, Jake, for sure. Uh, it's in the TV spot where he goes. Okay. He goes. Well, that's too long. I have to call you something else. Okay. All right. In fact, that's right. that's why. I knew that scene was coming. Okay. Um, Kevin obsessively goes to see movies over and over again when he likes them. Kevin, will you go see this in a theater again? I'm going to see it again on Monday. I mean, uh, this, this is the thing. I enjoyed this movie. I just don't think... I think my overall view on it, as I said, it's fine, fun, passable entertainment. It's nothing that wowed me. I think there are some legitimately good performances. There's some legitimately good action scenes. And the way they filmed the Millennium Falcon cockpit in this film is beyond me. I, I could not believe that this is the first Star Wars in the history of Star Wars that they had actual screens in front of the Falcon that actually showed the light speed effects happening before the actor's eyes. That way the light speed could reflect off their faces. Back in the day, they, you know, they do green screen and they added in later. It's kind of like an upgrade on rear projection, but it looks amazing. And the Falcon is amazing. 
I also didn't think the movie had enough Lando. And I know it's Solo's movie, and Jake mentions a good point. This is also a good Chewie film as well. But Lando, I think a lot of people were going into this movie. I know you were too, Jake. Looking yeah. forward to Lando's performance. Yeah. I, I, was, I thought he was going to be in it more. Yeah, so uh, we can get to the uh, next week. I gave we'll it a three. To, I gave it a three and a half out of five. That's that's kind of where I am. B minus C plus range. Jake, Jake you, where are you? I mean, Jake, if I, me, I well, actually, tell me really fast. I want to know um, if you've thought this. Where would you rank it? I would do original trilogy, Force Awakens. It's, and see, right now, it's, it's hard for me to... And then I would either go Solo or Rogue One. It's, it's tough for me to put one in front of the other because the last 45 minutes of Rogue One are astounding. But I think exactly. as a whole... And Last Jedi Solo's, is after? Yes. Oh, it, let me, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give you my perspective it. real far fast. After. <laughs> far, far I, after. I can't see the, the, the list of movies in my mind, so I'm going to try my best to order these. I would go, obviously, Empire. Um, I actually... This is going to be blasphemy to a lot of people. I would go Force Awakens next, then New Hope. Then I would probably go Jedi. Oh, man. Wait, actually, and, don't keep going because this may be a hashtag blend. This may I, be a blend game one time. I think it's interesting. It, instead it, of arguing best, we're going to do like top three. All right, if I, but mm. if, I'm, if I'm giving a good perspective mm. on where I am with Solo, I would say it's not, Radio as, tease. It's, it's not as good. <laughs> I would say not as good as Rogue One. Better than Last Jedi, but nowhere near the quality of The Force Awakens. See, it's funny. Jake and I discussed this the other day, and I mentioned The Force Awakens because as I was, that's a newer of it's a newer of the Star Wars films. The Force Awakens is on such a level, and people can complain all day long that it was basically a remake of New Hope. It's very similar to New Hope. We all know that, but to me, The Force Awakens is such a great Star Wars movie, and it is so far beyond belief in regards to the depth it goes, the performances, the script. And to me, that's a great Star Wars movie. Solo is a decently pretty good Star Wars movie. Oh, he wanted to say good. If you were watching him, he was going to say good. good. <laughs> he, pretty he good. Decently good. All pretty right, let's good. get better than Ant Man. We will. No, get... that, that's actually not true at okay, all. Here, here's the, okay, here's here's the real debate. Noise. We were almost moving on. We were so close. Deadpool we or so Infinity close. War, Kevin? Why did you do that? Deadpool or Infinity War? We were not even there yet. I Deadpool. know, but I just want to. I just want to tick off Sean. Deadpool 2, no question. That makes no sense. It makes perfect sense. That makes they're, no sense. They're both Let's great move movies. on to a movie that Kevin loves more than Infinity War, Deadpool 2. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Kevin, where would you... Okay, give me these three. Deadpool 2, Ready Player 1, Infinity War. And I, I'm Honestly, and Jake's going to yell at me for this, I have not decided <laughs> on Ready Player 1 or Deadpool 2 yet. What? And, hold on. Let me give you this. Let me give you one second. Right I'm not, now, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling near you. As I sit here, Ready Player One's my num- my number one movie of the year. Ready he's Player One's the my shirt. number one movie. Of the year. If you're watching, yeah. if you're listening to this later, he's wearing the shirt. I'm oh, I've she's wearing a solo shirt. I've also seen Ready Player One three times. I'm doing a second round of Deadpool Two tomorrow night because Deadpool Two, as we all know, is a very very fun watch with a huge audience, and you yeah. miss a lot of it the first time you see it. Specifically in the audience Jake and I had, which was sold out at the premiere. Dude, our um, audience was annoying. It was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I, 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 you had a guy behind me that uh, it was. Oh, oh I said. But if you're that me, guy behind me and you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you're banned from this podcast. Right now, if I'm looking at my year, it's I'm Feld. I'm, I'm at Ready Player. I'm at Ready Player One, number one, Deadpool two, number two, and then Infinity War three. But 
Ready Player One and Deadpool Two technically in my mind are tied at the moment. I need I need to, I need to get a second watch before I decide. All right, so clearly, so we're into Deadpool Two spoiler free review. The movie opens on Friday the eighteenth. All three of us have been able to see it. We saw it in in the the best way possible, crowded theater. It worked really really well for Kevin and I. It didn't work quite as well for Jake. Um, let's let's get into again spoiler free. If you're listening to this before you had a chance to go out and see it, we're not going to give away anything. But um, I mentioned in a... Oh, wow. The producer Gabe just hit me with one. I'll go back to that in a minute. Um, I missed what he said. It just went off my phone. What did he say? To me, it's the perfect sequel. Like, Deadpool 2 is the perfect sequel. Agreed. Because it takes everything that you love about... And this probably what annoys Jake about it. It takes everything that you loved about the first one, and it gives you more. It just gives you more of that. But in that aspect, it's not even just the meta fourth wall breaking humor, which it does really, really well. It increases all of the story beats that I found really interesting. I thought the relationship between Wade and Vanessa, which is important to the first movie, but I never really bought into it. Like it, to me that he's too snarky to have somebody that he cares that deeply about. And I thought the second movie did a better job of evolving that relationship. And I won't tell you how, like that's important. Um, but I also thought it expanded the world because it had more of a budget. Um, and so it looked like it was shot on more than one location, which every time I go back and watch the first movie, it feels like it's the same set over and over and over again. Can, I, pa- can I pause you for one second? Of course. You guys mentioned you got a text from Gabe. I was not on that text. You guys have like a secret text chain without me. What's going on here, guys? No, Come it's on. a chat. Well, or, so or what my, he said to I, me. Something just disappeared from my phone. I assumed it was him. There's two different people in our chat who have said Michael Paul Beavers said Ready Player One was horrible. Uh. And then Demarcus Hamby says, yeah, right. Ready Player One was so good. Okay. So our our listeners are fighting over Ready Player One in the chat and not acknowledging our Deadpool conversation. Move on, people. Come on. Continue, Sean. Continue. It was funny. Thank I said you. the same thing about Deadpool. Move on. Come on. <laughs> so, Jake, I want to start with you then because then Kevin and I can gush. Yes. Um. You like this movie, or, yes. or do you not? You don't. Yeah. You don't. No, I do like this movie, but but you know, and 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 sometimes I I give Kevin crap for doing the same thing. Where like you feel the need to like really point out what you <laughs> right. don't like about it, um, yeah. which then gives off the impression that you don't. So Kevin, I very yeah. much sympathize with you for Thank the moments you. You in which. You know how I uh, feel. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, same thing with Solo. In the same way that I know you like Solo, but in order to make the conversation interesting, you point out what you don't like. So I respect right. that. Um, here's my issue with what I've decided are just the idea of Deadpool movies is to me, it's like, uh, opening up a Christmas present, really exciting when it's happening, but then when it's done, you're left with empty wrapping paper and like a present that's like probably kind of disappointing. That's just okay. You can't keep up that thrill the entire time. Both times I watched Deadpool, I really enjoyed them while I was watching them and then instantly forgot about them as soon as it was done. Uh, the reason I like Deadpool 2 I think a little bit less than I like Deadpool 1 is because that X factor is gone. That surprise of like, oh my god, I cannot believe this movie was made. I can't believe he just said what he just said. I can't believe I'm experiencing this in a movie theater. I went in knowing what I was going to get. The whole reason I have a bit of a hard time trying to decide which one I liked better is because I think there are some things that I liked that one did better. I think there are some things that two did better. Two has a better plot and has definitely uh, more depth and more heart to it. I did not find two as funny as I found one. I found the jokes in one a lot sharper, and I laughed out loud more consistently. Um, so in that sense, it's like sort of up in the air. I'd probably put them, I know it's not a very sexy thing to say, but they're about the same to me. I liked both of them. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I give out of four stars when I review movies, not out of five. So I would say for both Deadpool 1 and Deadpool, Deadpool 2, three out of four. A positive review, yeah, but by right. no means did I walk out of there going, holy crap, I, that's the second coming. I definitely need to see it a second time because I agree with you in this aspect. The jokes have such a shock value to them. Like, you're mm-hmm. stunned that they are doing these jokes. Right. Um, and some of them are just, like, really yeah. big setups that lead to a joke right. that you sit back and you think, like, I can't believe like, that they went down this route. Will the – not to get into spoilers, but you know what I mean <laughs> when I say this. Will the X-Force scene be funny the second time? Yes. No. Well, I don't know. That's the debate. Yes. Like, that's why I want to see it a second time. If It was shocking and funny in the moment. And a lot of things in the movie are shocking and funny in the moment. But I do wonder – Hey Kevin, this is my this is my question. Like I sit there and I and as I'm watching it, I know I'm enjoying it, but I think like, well, the next time I watch this, since I know where it's going, I don't. I wonder if I'm, if I'm going to laugh as hard. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, so first of all, Deadpool one was my favorite movie of 2016. I saw it nine times. So I thought Deadpool one was just a brilliant blend of action, comedy, and just really, really well-written screenplay and dialogue. Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick are brilliant screenwriters. I love Zombieland. I loved Deadpool, clearly. Um, I disagree with you, Sean, on the emotional element of Vanessa and Wade in the first one. I totally felt that completely. I thought that they were a perfect match. I thought the whole the whole idea when they meet, skee-ball, uh, to the home, to the one year of sex scenes and montage was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I actually genuinely felt for Wade... When he went through what he was going through. When he got cancer in the first movie, fell over and died and just genuinely was completely out of luck in his life. Uh, And then the whole concept of him coming home scarred and mutilated the way he was and trying to see her. I I felt all of that. I thought Ed Scream was a great villain um, in the movie. So Deadpool 1 hit, checked all those boxes for me. Deadpool 2, to me, is a better sequel and it's funny because I love Deadpool 1, so saying it's better than Deadpool 1 is interesting to say because I'm not saying Deadpool 1's lesser. It's just It a, was your number one movie of the year, so if this one's better, that would make this your number one movie of the year. At, at, well, I mean, again, Ready well, Player One. it's comparing ready, ready the year. One. It's yeah. comparing so, the year, yeah. So Deadpool, Deadpool 2, to me, is the perfect sequel, as you said, Sean. It, it hits everything I've wanted in this movie. Every joke lands. It is consistently funny, consistently hilarious, consistent action consistent amazing characters but to me the best part about this movie is i i cried at, at laughing so hard at scenes but i also cried emotionally and i and i told my anchors that today off air and they all looked at me like i was an idiot like how i mean again how can you cry in a deadpool movie it sounds ridiculous it sounds stupid right but, but, but I, mean, I will say i know the scene that you're talking about and it was a very touching scene as someone that liked and didn't love the movie i'll back you on that it was a very yeah. touching scene there is a yeah there's a specific sequence of which i won't get into but david leach i, w- I want to speak on him for one second because i think uh i think he's a genius him and chad stelhesky the guys who directed the first john wick movie are just masterminds um they understand and appreciate an audience's way to view action um to me directors and a lot of filmmakers today with action scenes they quick cuts quick edits bad choreography and it's not, it doesn't treat the audience like they deserve to be treated spending 15 dollars to see a movie action should look good so you have two stunt you have a stunt guy who grew up in the business doing stunt work as Brad Pitt's stunt double in Fight Club, Brad Pitt's stunt double in Troy, Hugo Weaving's stunt double in The Matrix, you're going to get great action because it's solid. There's a specific shot in this film that in the beginning, Sean, you remember, with the 
guy running towards the camera while the, all the action's happening in the background in one continuous shot. Mm-hmm. It's just so well executed and also very funny at the same time. Um, on top of that, every single joke lands. And to me, the first Deadpool, every joke still lands on the ninth and tenth time later. Um, you pick up on more details, more things. I just think the way this film was executed was was incredible. I, I think that they, I saw someone on Twitter say they caught lightning in a bottle twice which I completely agree with. I mean, Deadpool 1 was a very special movie for a lot of people because it was so out of the box and so unique. And I think this film improves on every aspect of what Deadpool 1 did. I really do. And I'll tell you this, I'm legitimately stunned that there are two Deadpool movies that exist like this because I think that the character is so um, irreverent and, and hard to do properly that a studio, by design, is gonna step in and, and give notes and be like, ugh... Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And there's no element to that of the two Deadpool movies. They literally just push the envelope completely off the table, yeah. which you have to do for this movie. Like there's things that we can't talk about. There are spoilers that we can get into later that are I, I'm shocked that they're in a comic book movie because they let them embrace like Logan embraced its R yeah. so that it could make a gritty Western. Deadpool embraces its R so that it can just be as violent and mildly offensive as the character essentially needs to be. But this film, to me, is, and I, I've said this a lot about movies recently, and I love using this phrase, but I genuinely think it's, it's a master class in tonal shifts. And I think to be able to shift tone the way this movie does is an art form. I don't, I don't, and I don't understand how a writer and a filmmaker find that, find that ability to make you feel genuinely hit in the heart one moment and then you're laughing really hard in the next and it's been done before but i don't think to this extreme um specifically in the beginning we can't tell why or what happens but something very crazy happens and then they uh, and then you're immediately laughing about that thing later and it's like how did this reason do that because and then in the opening credits they basically turn a mirror right on the audience (laughs) unbelievable and, and tell you how they know your you're feeling, feeling. yeah right. they tell and you was, how they know you're feeling and it was exactly <laughs> how i was feeling like the words that were on screen yeah, were yeah. what i was saying to lauren essentially i mean we can't say anything but it truly is like yeah. the, be- the beauty of deadpool is that you are part of the film there's yes. no there's like, like, like it's funny i always go back to jedi because i and i think the last jedi is a movie that that knows it's a movie and knew what your expectations were and yeah. just said, screw you, we're doing our own thing. Deadpool is like, you're in it with him. Like, but there's don't no, you, don't you hate hidden. when a movie does that? I thought by definition you hate when a movie acknowledges but, that it's a movie. But Deadpool, the, the breaking of the fourth wall is the bit of the character. So to me, it like like if Luke Skywalker looked into the camera and said, I'm getting ready to throw this, uh, this saber <laughs> over my shoulder... I it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense in Star Wars. It makes right. sense in Deadpool because it because the writing is so good. It's it's almost as if like Deadpool has taken you and invited you into his world, and he's just letting you like enjoy it with him. And to me, it's what like was, what other movie does that? It's so what cool. was Hamill's character's name in Jay and Silent Bob? I can't say it's Sea Knocker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That now that was very funny. I would to, like to see him that character yeah. in Last Jedi. <laughs> Now that would be amazing. There's a junkie question for you. If that happened, 
I would rather if that had happened in Jedi than him throwing that stupid saber over his shoulder. Wasn't there I would rather a subtitle that popped up and it was like, "Hey kids, it's Luke Skywalker." So, so uh, it was like amazing. That. But Deadpool, Deadpool is a very special type of movie that just breaks rules and it works so well. And like breaking the fourth wall is not an easy thing to do. And just the way they write that in, and like again, like you said, they're, they're telling you how you're feeling because you are feeling that way. And I love the story. I love. I love the entire arc of Julian's character. I love Cable's story, it, it, even though it's Terminator Two, and they make a joke about that him being John Connor. I mean, it, 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 it's it's everything that you think is happening in the movie. They are aware that you know that in the best way possible, and like right. it's one of those things where like you are with going along with this film in in the most unique way I could ever imagine. It's storytelling that I've never seen like that before. It's so well done. So and they're saying 130 to 150 million. I'm sorry, Jake. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, and this is going to tick off Kevin, I kind of feel about Deadpool 2's humor how you feel about Thor Ragnarok's, which is, I don't that's think funny. it's nearly as funny as it thinks it is. See, that's yeah, and that's interesting. What, and what's funny about that is that Ryan Reynolds loves Taiki, uh, what's his name, Taiki Waititi? Taika, He loves I mean, that's that where, guy. I mean, the kid is from Hunt for the, the Wilder People. Exactly. Yeah. So Ryan's favorite movie, Ryan Reynolds' favorite movie of that year was the Wilder People film. And I remember that's why when Julian got cast, I'm like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. So Ryan Reynolds clearly thinks that that style of humor is very funny. He thought Ragnarok was brilliant. And that's why I find it fascinating that I find Deadpool so great and I don't like the comedy in Ragnarok. Like, it's funny. Ragnarok is the, is, it's the same review I gave to Solo in regards to I like a lot of what Ragnarok stands for in regards to the action, Goldblum, and Ruffalo, all that stuff. It's just the comedy I don't like in that film. But it is fascinating to me that I don't find that funny, but I find Ryan Reynolds' humor in Deadpool funny. I don't, I don't, it's different type of humor, clearly. But and you texted us all week about Life of the Party, which apparently you adore. <laughs> My gosh. Worship yeah. Life of the Party. It's like enough but I, Life of the Party. Enough Life of the Party. <laughs> as, as, somebody, as somebody who genuinely loved the first Deadpool an extreme amount, I was just, it was, to me, it was just one of the best experiences I've had in a cinema, sit next to my um, wife, who loves Deadpool 1 and loved Deadpool Hey, I was in the well. theater too, asshole. I know, I know, I know, I know that. I'm just saying, I, I just, it was just a very, I don't know, it, it hit there me. There goes our family-friendly <laughs> yeah. It honestly, um, it honestly hit me in the, the best way possible. Every moment of it just And, and here's what I'll say, I think this is best case scenario. Kevin, who loved Deadpool 1 loves Deadpool 2. I, who love Star Wars, loves Solo. I'd argue this is the absolute best case scenario. I mean, we Kevin and I saw yeah. those movies together both we within, did. what, a four-day period? Yes. I mean, that's that's one hell of a, of a four-day stretch. Yeah, it, it was. it's interesting. It is fascinating to me to see the differential here, but I am surprised that Sean and I are on, are on an even playing field here, which is I weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't like being the odd man out. Yeah, it, 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 it is, is strange. It's lonely over here. I'm curious. I, I can't wait for Sean to see Solo because then I... I think Sean's going to be with me on Solo. I really do. I, I, I'm interested uh, to see what he thinks. I, I say, you know, it's I, funny you say that because I think he's going to join me. All right. I'm genuinely curious also because... I mean, reactions are everywhere. I'm the one who didn't like Last Jedi and then came back around six months later and I'm now I'm the proponent of it. So. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to. I don't know. Inside. Maybe I'll give you my Solo review in six months. I just <laughs> want to I I hear from people when they see the movie. Obviously, comment below when you see it. I, I'm curious where people... And I keep seeing articles that are saying that the reviews aren't good. And I'm like, the movie has yeah. a, a great rating. It's, yeah. I, I'm confused where those negative 
thought processes are coming from in regards to the movie having bad reviews from critics. It's doing pretty well, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's like 80-something. Like yeah. No, it's I, last I saw, it was seventy something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. No, 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 no. That's that's Solo. Uh, Deadpool. Oh, Deadpool. Over... Deadpool's like eighty six. Eighty seven. Yeah. Solo is at like seven. I I think Solo is gonna be pretty a pretty mixed bag. Even though Jake and I discussed, if everyone gives Solo just a general positive review of a three or over, it would be a hundred percent clearly. Yeah. I mean, so we I'm all actually... have obviously we have. I, I'm surprised. I have issues with with Rotten Tomatoes and using that as a indicator as to whether or not a film's good or not. But so right. Dead, it's, Deadpool it's a discussion 2's for a different podcast. Deadpool two is eighty five and Solo seventy one. Yeah. All so right. I, so predictions on Deadpool two are one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty. That seems very low to me. I yeah. Oh, I, I could that's see it. I, I I would say closer to the one hundred and fifty area. See, Deadpool one opened to one hundred and thirty two million. Okay, so that that was the largest R rated opening in the history of movies. I don't. I do think it'll beat that. I don't know if it'll be as extreme. I I don't feel the the buzz that I felt around the first Deadpool. But maybe that's just because I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's we have we're in Avengers fatigue right now. Solo's coming out. There's a lot happening. Yeah. Last time there wasn't really a lot happening on 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 uh, Valentine's Day. So I think it's a weird time to be living in this movie world. I mean, it's right definitely right not going to have legs. And I, I will say that is sort of one oh, of I think the... It will. And it's not a knock to the quality as much as it is like it's just such a busy movie season. That's the one disappointment for me about Solo is this... I think this is the first Star Wars movie in my life that doesn't feel like an event. Like, oh, you're saying, you're saying you're saying Solo won't. Oh no, but legs. I'm saying like in the sense that like how like Deadpool's main is not going to have the same legs because it came out originally on Valentine's Day and it had all of February and March. I think the same thing with with Solo because the other Star past couple of Star Wars movies last three have opened in December I, and played. It doesn't feel as eventish. The next couple of weeks are going to be a really interesting sort yeah. of bloodbath yeah. to see how these three movies because infinity war it's going to drop but it's not really going away right and deadpool and solo are going to just sort of cannibalize yeah. each other i and think deadpool Jurassic 2 is waiting cool. in the wings but i think yeah. deadpool 2 is going to have really good legs I, re- I genuinely think it will i and do too and i say- i wouldn't be surprised if this thing got around 200 million because i think people mm. really love the first movie I've, I've heard 350 worldwide i'd i I would I would say if it goes any higher, it'll be 150. I don't think it'll touch 200. It's R it's R rated. Also, right. it's it, it, uh, there's still movies theaters playing a lot of Avengers screenings. I yeah. don't know what's the theater count for Deadpool. Do is it over 4,000 screens? Yeah, it's like so, 4,200. And it, plus, it has the IMAX. I will say it doesn't have the 3D element. So right. that's another thing I've taken into account. Avengers had everything: IMAX, 3D, Dolby, whatever it was. Um, and it was know, amazing. It was amazing. It, it really listen. Infinity War is a brilliant film. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I think Deadpool Two is a better movie. I really do. All right. Okay, so, uh, of, how much oh, of a boost do you think that Infinity War? And, and I've always wondered about this, and we'll never truly know. But how much of a boost do you think? My Alexa speaking to me. That's <laughs> how much of a boost do you think Infinity War will get? On kids that are below eighteen, paying for a PG thirteen ticket to sneak into Deadpool. Yeah, oh, but you man. can't do that anymore because people have to pick their seats. That's the thing. That's true. You can't just sneak in. I, I used to do that. I've to always wondered how many yes, PG thirteen movies benefited from R rated yeah. R rated tickets. I used you to buy. Can't. I used to buy PG movie tickets. That's how I saw South Park. That's how I saw. Um, I used to do that all the time, and I used to have a friend of mine whose dad would buy them for us, and then thankfully the theater checker would like. No, you know, I think we actually had the I mean, dad buy. Theater checkers were our age, so it didn't. Yeah, matter. yeah. I, I think Deadpool all. two is gonna do really well. I hope. I I don't think Solo is gonna perform as big as everyone thinks it is. I, I do you just, know? 
my new game. Um, this is how I don't know if I want to reveal this. This is how I get into places for free, and it's worked a number of different times. I go up to the person who's guarding the gate of whatever it is, because um, like you said, they're usually our age and they usually and don't you care. say I'm Sean O'Connell of Real but, and that usually works. Um, I'll say, uh, dude, you know what? I think I just left my cell phone. Do you mind? I think it slipped out of my pocket. <laughs> and they always go, oh yeah, I just like go that. look, go look, oh. go check. Dude, it works every time. It works every single time. I like that. (laughs) Uh, All right. Instead of a box office prediction, Jake, I'm going to set the number at seven. And you give me um, over or under number of times Kevin sees Deadpool 2 in a theater. I'm going to say under only because we have a really, and we, as in like he and I are joined at the hip. But like I know that the the, the, the summers, summers are very busy. Um, right. and, and there's a lot of stuff and it, I think it's easier. I mean, when he saw all that, when he saw D- Dunkirk, it was both at the end of the summer and an abnormal obsession. When he saw right. Deadpool two, there really wasn't as much coming up around that time of year. We're, right. we're about to get really busy in terms of all the stuff that we have to see. I just don't know sure. if he's going to have the time to see it more. Than, oh. I mean, so if we're doing like, like sports betting, if we're, so if you're doing over under, you have to do it half. Yeah. So let's, let's do it at seven and a half. Six and, and a half. Six and a half. Oh, oh, six, six and a half. half. Ooh. Six and a half. Okay. I'm still going to say under. It's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be under. And I and I didn't see. I saw Dunkirk. I saw Deadpool one nine times, but that wasn't all in theaters. Dunkirk was the specific. Oh, I thought you were at theaters nine times. No, theater. I think it was six or five. But the so um, yeah. the uh, the um, Dunkirk was, or psychotic. But Dunkirk either. was. But Dunkirk was a different experience. That was because I wanted to find as many seventy millimeter IMAX theaters as I possibly could to watch it. <laughs> I saw it in New York at Lincoln Square and Toronto at the Cinesphere, L.A. Yep. at the City Walk. I mean, I went everywhere to try different theaters, and it actually was a different experience in every Christopher theater. Christopher Nolan's basement. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> on his lap. <laughs> yep, it, we held hands. <laughs> All right. Yeah. On the topic of, so we're going to get into a Deadpool spoiler-filled discussion next week, and we hope to have a special guest, but I won't announce it just yet. But we'll. Wait, what's Jake's on... rating on Deadpool two? Three out of four. Three okay, four. I'm five out of five. And then, and then I would give Solo three and a half out of four. I went four and a half out of five on Deadpool, which so, is a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. So, Jake, you're only a half point from Deadpool to Solo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Scale, I don't. I, I, I don't throw out a ton of fours throughout the year. Yeah, I, I only usually give less. I give five or less, generally speaking. I've already given three, and we're at June yeah. essentially. So I, I don't know. I mean, first man might blow my mind. I have no idea what's going to happen. But right now, I have three fives yeah. already I, given out. I looking at the rest of the summer. I don't see a movie on the horizon short of something like a hereditary or a um fallout uh i know or um, jake jake's gonna give uh ant-man and the wasp a four out of four (laughs) nothing would make me happier nothing would make me happier um but by the way did you guys go again mama me you know what (laughs) i hate abba I can't. I cannot. I, hate, <laughs> I did that junket, dude. I did that junket, it's and it was painful. It was a painful so junket. Why? And I, was, I and I just started, and I was so afraid that Meryl Streep was going to ask me what I thought of the movie, and I didn't know what mm. I was going to say. I, knew I, I wish. Was lie. I wish Thanos could delete Pierce Brosnan's performance in that film, just like <laughs> disintegrate him from the film. Did you guys see uh, Deadpool's uh, doing the monologue with Colbert? What happened yeah, at the it was end? so good. At the end, oh, he, he starts disappearing. And he's like, "Damn yeah. you, Thanos!" <laughs> I like call Jimmy. That was the yeah. best part. <laughs> All right. On the topic good. of sequels that are better than the originals, um, yeah. this brings us to our blend this week. Uh, and we're keeping things tight. We're trying to, we're not doing an unpopular opinion. We're going right to the blend, we're going right to the game. Uh, we had a discussion about Godfather and whether uh, Godfather 1 was better than 2 or 3. 
and I think we're taking three off the table. We had people play along using the hashtag Godfather Blend, um, and I found this really interesting because then it triggered a whole list of uh, sequels that we would deem better than the originals. I think we're going to use some of those for future debates where we get into uh, Terminator 2 potentially being better than Terminator 1, Aliens being better than Alien. Yeah, I want and the Aliens alien those... debate. Well, and in a lot of those cases, it's because a director changed hands. But with yeah. Godfather, it's Coppola all the way through. And I think you can argue it's one giant story that just happened to be whacked up in, into different films. Like Lord of the Rings. But, like Lord of the Rings, right, yeah. essentially. Um, but I'm just going to lay out where we all stand, and then we can we can debate uh, what happens, because it's not too much of a surprise. Jake and I are both Godfather 1 guys. Uh, Kevin's a Godfather 2 guy. Yeah. Jake, I'm going to start with you, and yeah. you tell me why you would favor 1 over 2. Uh, really quickly, to me, Godfather 1 and 2 essentially break down into four parts. And essentially, it's which of those, which two of the four parts do you find most, most interesting? In chronological order, young Vito, Michael comes into the business, Michael right. takes over the business, old Vito. And I mm-hmm. think... Uh, old Vito and Michael comes into the business are the two most interesting parts of the story of those four. And they're yeah. inherently the two parts of the story that make up Godfather Part 1. I don't think mm. either of us or, or, or any of us are coming into this knocking the movie that we're not right. choosing. By, by right. no, no means, I think, are we saying, well, the other we one sucks. We respect them both yes. equally. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just find uh, uh, Brando's Corleone later in life... Uh, sort of dealing with with uh, mortality a lot more interesting than seeing him coming come into America and seeing him sort of rise up in the business. If I'm going to see a rise up in the business, I like seeing Michael, this guy that's sort of kind of on the outskirts of the family. He's never really, he was never really Sonny. He never really wanted to come into it the way that Sonny did, the way that Fredo wished that he could. Um, you know, I, 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 that, those are the aspects that I really like seeing. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a smoother, more cohesive movie. Uh, the, the time jumps into are just a, when I say, I'm going to say jarring, but I say jarring in the sense that like, they're both 10 out of 10 films. They're both four star films and they're as perfect as you're going to get. It's just a little bit more jarring than I would, than I prefer compared to part one. Well, two was knocked for those, for the nonlinear storytelling when it first came out. Right. And did, and did you, and well, we can get to this in a second. It also brings up a point of. The, the HBO thing that they did where they recut Godfather to be chronological. And a lot of, mm. I know, I talked to many people, genuine, awesome film fans that say, you know what? I preferred it as one long, it was like a, I think like a five or six hour film. It was, I think it was parts one and two in chronological order. So it had to be six hours. I never saw that. Never um, saw and they that. put it in, and I know that people that horrible. say, I know people that say that they would prefer to watch that over watch part one and then part did two. Did Coppola do that cut? I think he, he was involved. He was a part of it, but he was he I had to have allowed it. I'd imagine. I would assume, yeah. He, did, he, didn't he always goes back and tinkers it. with his stuff. Let yeah. me mention something that he that Francis Ford Coppola goes back and tinkers with his stuff way too much. And one example that really annoys me is The Outsiders, which I love. Oh, well, I didn't know. And, I didn't know what he did with The Outsiders. Yeah, what did he do with The well, Outsiders? Well, so I grew up on The Outsiders. Like that was yeah. a movie that I watched on HBO religiously, and um, I took it off the shelf to show it to PJ when my teenage son had to read it for a school class, and I was like, "Okay, oh, now that you've read the book, home. we're gonna watch it." And he added music to it, which is like. It's like, you know, you see video on YouTube and people put yakety sacks. It's like, like he put this like upbeat fifties rock music to scenes. So there'll be scenes where like pony boy and Johnny are walking and they're getting like 
tracked by the Scotias, and it's supposed to be really tense and dramatic. Yeah. And it's like a like a drum beat, like bum bada bum bada bum bada bum, and like a a jangly guitar. And Ooh. I'm like, God, Francis, what did you do? You ruined so this entire movie. And it happens often when yeah. the church is burning and they're going back in to save the people. The music is like bam bada bam bada bam. It's like a Pulp Fiction guitar so soundtrack. Wow. It's horrible. It's horrible. Hey, no, it ruined I, the I, movie. I, for I me. would argue that the Apocalypse Now Redux is horrible. Yeah. The scenes that yeah. he added back into the Apocalypse. Redux. It's yeah, it's the, the the scenes are unspeakably bad, just unspeakably bad. You got you can't I, mess with a movie you already put out. Like, yeah. like, like, Lucas, Tell George Lucas Luke, that. Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna. Uh, this is my take on one, and then I'm gonna turn it over to Kevin for two. Um, the story of Michael uh, wanting so desperately to distance himself from the family, and then just not like just fate. You know, being like, no, <laughs> you can't. Uh, the inevitability of that is what hooks me into Godfather all the time. Like, I love the bigger story. Um, and The Sopranos did this so well, too. Like, The Sopranos dealt into the the bigger, colorful aspect of being in the in a crime family. Um, and it was the tragedy of Tony at different times wanting to get out and just never really being able to. His life is, is made, like, his bed is made and his life is what it is. And I felt that with Michael, too. And even going back and rewatching two for the point of this discussion, the scene that hits... The hardest for me is the very end of two where the family's giving him a hard time. Anyone who enlists after Pearl Harbor and Michael's like, yeah, I just did, you know, like I'm going to fight for my country as, as opposed to, I value the country over my family. And I was like, this poor bastard, you know, like he's just, he'll never be able to get out from underneath this. And so his story in one to me is so tragic. There's a book that I just finished um, by Don Winslow called the force. And it's all about like the inevitability of police officers. Ooh, I love no Don matter- Winslow, dude. Dude, did you read The Force? No, I, I read The Cartel. <laughs> the Cartel, yeah. Yeah, The um, Cartel was brilliant. He wrote a book called The Force, and it's about how these cops, that no matter how squeaky clean they start, you just cannot avoid, um, you take a free sandwich, or you you know take a, a, a free drink, and, and you're on the slippery slope toward becoming corrupt, right? And it's all just like how the system works. And I feel like that's Michael in First Godfather. It's like every little baby step... Um, like a big step away from the family and then a baby step back to it. And you just know it's going to, he's just going to slide right back into where he belongs in that aspect to me. And, and what I love about Godfather, and this is the only reason why I elevated a little bit above two is that even if two didn't exist, um, you could end at one and you know what happened with, with Michael and it's a satisfying conclusion. Like you'd be like, ah, that dude, that poor guy, it's awful. I'd argue that final shot is like, and I don't say this lightly, one of the top five greatest shots of all time in the history of cinema. That's not an exaggeration. That door closing, I think, is one of the most beautifully tragic shots in history. And I love two, but as a complete just, that's the story. Because I love two because of the Fredo stuff. Like, the Fredo yes. stuff is so tragic. Well, that's oh, God. When he, so, when, Kevin, he, when he sends the kids back to the house. Yeah, I mean, that's the Fredo. To me, the Fredo, the whole Fredo element is really a big reason why I love two. Um, that whole, I mean, Al Pacino, that, that entire seek, that entire storyline is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I, and it's interesting because I love Godfather one and two, to me, my love of two rests upon one existing clearly. Um, yeah. well, but I mean, to. there's something fascinating about the, the, um, the subtlety of, uh, Brando's performance and not knowing a ton about this gentleman. And I, and to me, I found it more it made it so much more interesting to me to go back and find out how he got there. 
Um, I like the nonlinear storytelling. I, I've always loved nonlinear storytelling. Uh, obviously, Tarantino is very good, great at that. I just find it to be more fascinating. It keeps me more immersed in the movie. I know it's interesting because people say it's jarring. To me, I find it fascinating because it complements every scene you're watching. So when you go back and forth, the the forward is completely related to what you just watched in the back somehow. And I find that to be... And it just—I just, like the way my mind moves in a nonlinear film. Um, I also think that two also is, De Niro. De Niro. Oh, is, De Niro is—it's is actually so good. A, it's a perfect to me. Two is a perfect movie. Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with two whatsoever. And I don't even know what a problem would be with one if I had to if I had to think about it. But to me, two is just. Again, it's the Fredo storyline. It's the nonlinear storytelling. It's the it's the concept of learning and seeing Don Corleone, or it just you know De Niro's character, just kind of what he did to get where he is, what he was, um, his family living in that small place, and I, I, there was just something. I don't know. It just really grabbed me more, and I, I think knowing that affects the way I watch one because then I understand brando's story more um but i think that it's more interesting to me to sit down and watch two because of the non-linear element of it but again there's nothing more heartbreaking in that entire trilogy than the fredo sequence and all mm-hmm. the fredo storyline it's a brutal thing That's a great and to scene, me it, it's the it's the moment that sticks out to me and in the godfather series um you know one of the, th- the things that uh diane keaton and Andy garcia spoke about when i asked them their opinions which is funny that you guys are saying what you're saying because Diane Keaton agrees with you guys completely. <laughs> like yeah. she actually completely said, so does Andy Garcia, um, that they don't like the nonlinear storytelling. This is what Diane Keaton specifically said about Which that. Which I was that, very surprised to hear them say that. Me too. Yeah. And I, I was, was actually too. shocked that she gave specifics too. I, I thought maybe they would just go one and then they would go, that's it. And and then, but like, it was interesting in that moment sitting in that room because something sparked between those two that like maybe they hadn't spoken about it in a long time. To me, just the way I read that, like, and, they, and they, they just kept going on about the cinematographer uh, and just the way he, it was the Prince of Darkness, the way he shot scenes. I had no idea that Paramount was afraid of how dark these scenes looked. I didn't know that uh, mm-hmm. as I was sitting there. Um, so to me, it was just fascinating to to hear Diane Keaton say what she said about 2, even though I, lo- I think 2 is a better movie. But I, g- I understand why 1 is on so many people's lists. So it's hard, it's a hard debate because they're both perfect movies uh, someone once told me a parent once told me because uh, the, the topic came up of do you have a favorite child and someone said when you have multiple children it's not that you have a favorite child it's just that some some of them are more easier to love than others which <laughs> yeah. that was a very interesting diplomatic <laughs> answer but that is sort of how i feel about godfather one and two it's not that i really it's not that i have a favorite it's just that for me, one's just a little bit easier to love than the other. Yeah, True. I remember uh, years ago, I uh, Francis Ford Coppola came to town for a um, like a wine thing for his wine. I, I love his wine; I drink it all the time, actually. <laughs> um, and I remember I, I just gotten back from Chicago. I was interviewing Aaron Aaron Paul for yeah, you did a movie, and I landed, and I remember the publicist. I had written my questions out. I, I think I called Jake actually. They told me I couldn't ask any movie questions. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? You think I'm not going to sit here and ask? Uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie questions and I actually got to a point in our interview I think I cut this out where I got some piece of trivia wrong about <laughs> Last of the Mohicans and I actually we were I was going back and forth between movie questions and wine questions and I was like alright I'm I, I don't know why I challenged him on this but I challenged him that Michael Mann 
didn't direct Last of the Mohicans. I thought he didn't. Oh. I actually, I was so wrong. Oh. And I, I, so I said, Mr. Coppola, if I get, the, if I'm right, I get to ask another movie question. If you're right, I go back to wine. And he was right, so I went back to wine. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Uh, I, I, had, I at the time I had no idea that Michael Mann directed that movie. Um, uh, true story. But I remember uh, just. Talking to him, like one is a fascinating film because of what they did and what they were able to do. I mean, filmmaking at that point, Apocalypse Now and Godfather, it's not like that anymore. I mean, like the fact that they used a real horse head in that bed is just like, oh my god! Like that that actor didn't even know it was. Is a that real true? Horse head. I've heard that story. That actor didn't know that. No, it's it's. How does oh, he not know? He's got to well, be in the bed while they set the scene. Well, I think that, well, initially, so it was a real horse head. Back in the day, I don't know if they still do this, uh, dog meat is made from horse from horses, right. I think. So the heads would, they don't use the heads. So they went to a place and got the horse head and dropped it right. on the bed. I, the story about the guy not knowing is, is something I've also that's, heard that's, as a rumor. That's the part I, I, don't, sure. I don't buy. Yeah, I but it was a real He just like randomly was in the yeah. scene and realized it and screamed. Like, well, there, yeah, yeah. There, to me, I, I actually buy it because it is such a horrific scream. It's, I mean, that scene, knowing it's a real horse head is like very hardcore when you rewatch it. But like, yeah. I just love like, I don't know. I, I and remember the reveal when he like, because he, he like, doesn't he, it, he wakes up and then notices blood. like he's something's like, yeah. off. He's got yeah. something. And then oh, it cuts God. back. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, I mean, and just real quick on Coppola, I remember him telling me off camera that that uh, and this is a famous story that Brando in Apocalypse Now was supposed to be like a very fit Green Beret, uh, and he gained a ton of weight, which is why they put him in the shadows uh, mm-hmm. for that you know the famous T. S. Eliot uh, you know the horror moment, yeah. just stuff like that. It was just like amazing to me. I mean, think about what they slaughtered. Well, you talk a lot about. about like the necessity of filming, and that's what oh, Coppola did for the God. majority of his career. Is yeah. you know he shot off the. I mean the fact that. And, and I talk about this often because it's my birth year. And a lot of times they talk about what are the best movies that came out in your birth year. And it was 1974 where Coppola put out Godfather 2 and The Conversation. Like oh, two of the, the best conversation, movies. Conversation, man. Of all time. But he put those out in the same year. Like yeah. who, who oh, does Oh, I asked him. Spielberg has Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. I know. I asked I know. Coppola which one he <laughs> should have won Best Picture. I can't remember. Tintin and War Horse what, 2. What, what one? Godfather 2, right? Yeah. Godfather 2, yeah. I, I think he said, conver- I think he wanted Conversation to win. I don't remember what he told me. They were up, weren't they up in the it same might year be better. together? Weren't yeah, they, they both? both were. Wait, yes. you think Conversation is yeah. better than Godfather 2? There's no way. I think it might be. No Conversa- way. Conversation is amazing. Great it's movie. Amazing. But not better than Godfather 2. It's, it's no Deadpool 2. It's <laughs> so good. It's no Deadpool. You know what makes me really sad is that we'll never be able to do Michael Mann in our game because if we use hashtag man blend, it's going to get out of control. <laughs> Why can't. Why can't we do? For, oh yeah, <laughs> for, for totally right, different reasons. But two ends, two ends, <laughs> two ends. Yeah, no, yeah, doesn't matter. Too really dangerous. Funny. Do you want to know what you're playing for next week? But isn't Michael? Isn't Man Blend easy? We all agree on the movie, right? It's so simple. Wait, Black I have Hat. a feeling. I, I have a feeling it's it's not simple because I think my choice would be different from y'all. Kevin's gonna say Heat, but I don't know if it's, it's Heat. Clearly no. Heat. What? No, what? what how is heat. it not Heat? It's not Heat. So that's why. That's heat. why we need to do Man Blend. It might not be Heat. We will do Man Blend. How is it? But not next week. Heat. The here. dinner scene alone in the coffee diner is the best thing man ever directed. No question. Just because one scene's the best scene someone ever directed doesn't mean it's in their best movie. But the movie right. is overall is the best movie he ever made, but that scene no, alone. You saying it louder does not make it true. What's right, right. since we're not gonna do since we can't do man blend on Twitter. Well, we will no, eventually. We will. We're saving it. We we're saving eventually. it. You've, you've showed your hand. Man blend. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh man, it's funny. All right, next week's uh homework assignment for everybody playing along at home, we will be doing the films of David Fincher. 
Oh. So we are playing oh. hashtag. That's actually blend. harder than Spielberg. That's really hard. That might be and... <laughs> the hardest one. I have said this uh, in in our text chain before. This is the one that will kill me. I have no idea what I'm going to go with. This one will actually kill me. I, I have four of them just popped in my this head. This is going to be. To our producer Gabe, this is gonna be one of those instances where I text you like eight different times. Like I decide this. Wait, never mind. No, I decide this. Gabe loves that. That's He's got a ton of them. That might be an impossible. I might have to put a stop on that one. That's impossible. That actually is impossible. Well, wow. this has been real blend, and we are it's a live clearly podcast. Alien Three. I mean, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> it's Benjamin Button. Yeah. Uh, I like Jake, Benjamin that, Button. I love Benjamin Button too, man. It's one of his actually, best movies. I actually do love Benjamin Button a lot. It's really, really good. Jake, where can people find you? You can find me at Jake's Takes and probably uh, seeing Solo again. Ooh, good. Kevin, where can we find you? At Jake is wrong about Solo, and at Kevin is right about Deadpool two and Heat. Both um, and. I- <laughs> Both handles, which were available because no one else agreed with that. <laughs> and I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. The whole show is at at Real Blend. Uh, again, next week is hashtag Fincher Blend. So start playing along right now. We are on iTunes. So please head over there and drop us a review and a star rating. We've actually picked up our another star rating. We're at Woo! 24. 24 now, and they're all five stars. Keep can, we tell, can we tell? Uh, <laughs> can we tell Kevin's Fincher story next week? No, we are not telling. <laughs> it's the that, best that, story. That's never happening, oh, to ever. people at home that aren't friends with Kevin, you're missing so much. It's a, it's, it's an amazing story. It's the story. best story. Really that Dude, might be my answer. I tell people that story at dinner parties. It's oh. not even my story, and I tell people that story. Like you've got to hear this story. I know he oh. saw it too. I know it. I know it. I, I just, I just, I, oh. he was, he was over my shoulder. He saw it, I, I, oh. and we and we both know oh. he saw it, and no oh. one spoke on Dear it. Dear listeners, right. you have no idea what you're missing. <laughs> Tune in next week where we will be back uh, with a spoiler in-depth review of Deadpool 2, and we'll talk about all the things that happened in it that we love the most. We'll get a little deeper into Solo, and um, we will play Fincher Blend. Stupid. We'll see you guys next week. Dunkirk is a pretty good movie. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.